the world is full of we's and you are never more aware of that until you suddenly find yourself no longer part of a we. Separation, divorce, co-parenting. This is hard stuff. But that's okay because we are funny and capable. I'm Kate. I'm Natalie. And you are funny and capable too. So let's figure out the hard stuff together. And maybe laugh a little in the process. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are so honored you're here with us today. We started our season off talking about navigating the holidays as a divorcee. I never know if I say that word right. Divorcee, divorcee, divorcee. (laughs) So if you have not checked out that episode, be sure you do so. The way that you say that kind of makes it sound like a party. But yeah, so I think the episode went well. There is always more to every topic than you and I can fit into 30 minutes of recording. We could talk for hours about pretty much any facet of divorce. So we can always revisit topics and episodes as people need. But we are hoping that the episode was helpful and maybe it made you feel a little less alone as we come up on the holiday season. Yes, absolutely. Before we dive into today's episode, we got to start with those affirmations. Yes, we do. Because if you have not stated something nice out loud about yourself to yourself today, you need to do it now. So let's do this together. Okay, I'm going to go first. This is Natalie. Go Natalie. Kate. (laughs) Yes, love. Kate, you are patient. So you are really good at being patient and understanding. And that is I feel like it should be a norm for adults, but it's definitely not. But you have a very good skill, knack, talent. (laughs) It's not a talent because you have worked hard for it. But yeah, you're always very patient with me when I sleep in on accident or when I fall asleep too early. But more than that, even when you are working with your child and there's explosions or, you know, how children are in general, every child, you are patient and understanding and you work really hard to be present during those times. I would consider myself one of the least patient people in the world. So I'm very honored that you see that in me because I do not always see it in myself, (laughs) but that's sometimes why we should ask other people, Mm -hmm. right? Because I don't think I've, I've honed in on that very well. So I have some reflecting to do. Okay. (laughs) So my affirmation for Natalie is I think that Natalie, you are so good at knowing yourself and knowing like, I don't even know if I can like put it into words. Like, you know how you feel in a moment and you don't like beat yourself up for it. Mm. Like your automatic reaction is not like to fight against it. It's just like to sit in it. Mm. And my coping skills, I guess, have not quite progressed to that point. And I find it really admirable because I can like visually see you doing it Hmm. when something is happening, you take a breath and you like just sit in it and allow it to be happening around you and not happening to you. And I think that is an incredibly amazing skill. Wow. Thank you. I feel blown away every week when we do these. I really did not want to do these, remember? But every week I'm like, wow, this girl knows me. I know her. This is cool. I told you. You like that I didn't give myself a double compliment? (laughs) I know, first week for that. Very first one. All right, so today we are talking about, that was my drum roll, (laughs) divorce stigmas. No matter who you are, I would bet money you have heard of, 
held for others or had stigmas regarding divorce attached to you. Yeah, yeah. So stigmas are everywhere and they impact like what we choose to do and how we tend to think. But we really have to break them down in order to even see their impact on those two things. Mm, Yes. So no matter where you're at in regards to divorce, whether you are not in the process at all, maybe thinking about it, you are in the beginning (laughs) process of separating. You are already divorced, literally wherever you are. We're going to dive into the stigmas we held prior to our divorce, how our view of them has shifted as we have gained deeper understanding and how our pity has turned into empathy. Yeah, yeah, right. Because holding on to these stigmas literally end up holding us back and quite frankly, it's about damn time that we talk about it so that we can end that cycle. So let's start from the beginning and work ourselves through to today. Natalie, prior to your own experience getting divorced, what stigmas did you hold about divorce? I really viewed people whose marriages failed in my mind back then Mm -hmm. as people who were I hate even saying this out loud, but I think that's part of why we're talking about it is that we held these. Yes. I viewed people as selfish. They couldn't put the other person's needs above their own, which is, you know, anyways, that's a whole conversation. And then also as weak, like you're choosing the easy way out. And I have been told that, but I held that. I held that. So definitely the idea that people give up too easily and didn't fight hard enough. So Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I had a lot of the same beliefs going into it. You know, I could never possibly be on that route because I loved my spouse enough. We loved each other hard enough. We could overcome anything and we were not going to fail. That was just as simple, simple as it was in my head. And to me, anybody who had been divorced, had simply not loved each other hard enough, not tried hard enough. They were taking the easy way out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on for days, but I didn't understand at the time that it is literally the hardest thing Mm. that I have ever endured. And I had a 47 hour labor (laughs) followed by a C-section. Yeah. So it's so hard. And to say that it's the easy way out is one of the most insulting things Yes. You can't know until you're a part of it, but I'm grateful I understand that now because it has stopped me from saying and perpetuating those stigmas and those hurtful things. Okay. So we had similar stigmas about divorce before divorce actually entered our lives. I'm curious how those stigmas affect us during, well, did affect us during the early days of our separations. For me, it it almost feels like an oxymoron because before divorce, divorce was the easy way out, right? Everything that we just said. But then when it actually entered my life and I became this person that was now going to be party to a divorce, it went from the easy way out to the stigma of there is no worse possible outcome. Hmm. Right. It was such an odd, super quick transition for me. I went from this is not possible. Only weak people do this to I don't know if I will survive this. And if I do, I don't know if what 
awaits me on the other side is worth hanging out for because I just couldn't, it sounds silly now. Like I can say it now and I can laugh, but at the time I was so in the trenches with my emotions that there did not seem a crueler fate than Mm -hmm. to be a mid 30 single white female with a child divorced. And I know, like, I know how that sounds now. I can hear that. And that sounds so outrageous. But at the time when you're in those trenches, it felt like I had been delivered a death blow and the stigma of like, no one will ever want me. I will never be good enough for anyone who would choose this over choosing to start from scratch. All of those stigmas just rushed into my life overnight and they terrified me. Yeah. Wow. I know there are a lot of people who are living that transition of it was the easy way out to now post. Now we have a death blow and how will I survive this? And it's not silly because that is like very universal. I feel like that feeling. Right. Because when you're in that moment, that's what it feels like. Yeah. Right. Like I can say it's silly now. And I can see that now and I can laugh at it now. But at the time when you are in that moment, it really does feel like a fate worse than death. Yeah. And when I went from divorces for the week and the people who don't love each other and that could never be us, it's so weird how I went from straight from that to, oh my God, I'm not worth loving and who would ever, ever pick me to do this with because I am obviously terrible at this because I failed at something I was not supposed to fail at. Yeah, I hear that. And I'm so grateful you shared all that. So like in the early days of our separation, my stigma that I wrestled with was not who would want a 30 year old. I wasn't 30 yet. I'm still not 30 (laughs) yet. (laughs) 26. (laughs) This was not what I struggled with. I was not thinking who would want a 26 year old with two kids who are five months apart. And Mm -hmm. like, I wasn't wrestling with that. So what did you wrestle with then? Yeah. So I was wrestling more with the shame from Christian culture, honestly. Yeah. Wow. We spent years in ministry leading hundreds of people and we were the epitome of couple goals and family goals. And we now here I am. And also I wrestled with the shame, which stems from stigmas, but the shame of, I just needed to be done. And so I felt relief. Yeah. Anyways, I was more wrestling with just shame and the stigmas that were accompanied with being a Christian woman who was a former pastor's wife leading other people. And now I have, you know, done the sin that's worse than murder, you know? (laughs) Okay. So that, I think it makes me think of like a, a tangential point, I guess, Hmm. but our situations are different. You instigated the end of your marriage. I did not. So I imagine that in your situation, dealing with those stigmas, you were also wrestling with this very real feeling of actual relief. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that is not something I dealt with, but like, I can see how, again, like, I think we dealt with different things, but mm-hmm. very much like the counter position between these two narratives in our lives that we're telling ourselves. So on one hand, like you actually feel relief, but you have this on the other side. Right. And it really felt like, 
yes, I had relief, but then accompanied on the flip side of that coin was this heavy guilt and shame that I would feel relief from leaving a marriage that I really thought I would take to my grave. So it was very confusing. Yeah. And I think that brings up something that you and I had talked about wanting to talk about today, which is like the power of reframing things. Yeah. Because ultimately, when I was in that dark spot of the stigmas that I had about divorce had now intersected with my reality and the stigmas that I was holding against myself in like life during post-divorce. You know, I think what helped me ultimately get out of that space was understanding the power of reframing storyline. Yeah. Something I've always told people, like, I'm a storyteller. I love to tell stories. If you get me talking, I'm not going to shut up. But (laughs) I think, like, we all have this story for our lives. And when when you are so tied to and connected to this story that you think this is how your life is going to play out. And for you and I, like, we were both very connected to our stories. Our stories were different, but we were both very connected to those stories. And when you are connected to that story... And that story is no longer possible. Mm-hmm. That is why it feels so drastic. That's why it feels like devastation. Yeah, I'm in this deep hole because this story that I've lived my life off of, that I have based every decision, that I have moved forward in every conversation I've had with like this being my story, that story is out the window. Like that book has been burned. It's no longer a possibility and you have to reframe it. And so I think that is why reframing those stigmas and rebuilding that story is such a powerful tool in being able to move forward. Yeah. I'm constantly having to work through, like it's a mental practice that I'm constantly reframing shame and stigmas that you know, like you, you mentioned you have intrusive thoughts. I mean, so do I. And so I'm constantly working on reframing those intrusive thoughts, which are very much attached to stigmas. Right. And like the reality is, is that when we're talking about stigmas, like, I don't know if you have, we've talked about my experience. I've had a number of real life in the flesh people speak the stigmas to me as if they are what's true. And so that is hard. Yes. I remember early on in my separation and divorce, I had family members speak really quite horrible things to me out of love, right? Right. Their intention was that they wanted to hold this picture that they thought was also, they wanted my story to be. They read your story a certain way. (laughs) Yes. And so did I, but I woke up to my story and Yeah. So I'm constantly reframing those stigmas. As an example, one of the stigmas and shame pieces that tries to flood in my brain is just choosing to leave a marriage or choosing to instigate divorce. It makes me selfish and uh, careless. Like I don't care about people. You know, I don't care about my kids. I don't care about the man I married. You know, and I hate to interrupt there, but I feel like it's a really good point because I feel like, okay, so I'm in the other position, right? And when I was left, I felt like it was selfish. I felt exactly what you're saying. Yeah. However, (laughs) the power of reframing is that in the time since then, I can look back on my marriage and honestly, I think it lasted as long as it did because I was so adamant 
about those stigmas of divorce, not only with myself, but with my partner, I was so adamant. Like anytime we faced anything, I would be like, I mean, this is it. Like we're here together. There is no out. I was so adamant that I think he, out of his love for me, his compassion, just his humanity, I think he tried a lot longer (laughs) than perhaps otherwise he would have because of the same thing because he had the same stigma you did like not wanting to appear like you know he was doing those things to people and really that's about the balance of time and healing and all that like yeah. i look back and i'm i'm actually very grateful that my husband left me <laughs> i'm not sure people like say that often but i'm very grateful yeah. for it because i never would have left yeah i never would have left ever yeah. but it was not a good situation for either one of us. And I can see that now, but in that moment, you know, I think my stigmas about divorce actually perpetuated my marriage lasting longer than it should have, than was healthy for both of us. Mm, Yes. I want to just say yes to that because I talk with people often about this thing and about divorce. Right. People who are not yet divorced or even had the conversation with their spouse that they think they actually maybe should at least do a trial separation. Right. That is so true, Kate. People really hold on to their marriages longer than they it is healthy and mentally and sometimes physically safe for their whole entire well-being. And yes, the reframe that I have done is just consistently reminding myself something that society doesn't teach us or seem to believe is that choosing to leave my marriage that was not healthy for either of us. It saved me, honestly, and it models to my children. And this was not a physical safety, you know, like there are extremes that that is so real and that needs to happen. And so choosing to leave my marriage saved my mental and emotional health. And it models to my children to value human beings over a vow. I mean, yes, vows are important and commitments are important, but I will forever advocate for people to value humans over an agreement. And that's just me. So that's where I've landed. (laughs) I'm a contract lawyer and I think I agree with that. (laughs) I did want to share. So when I was in that process of feeling like I was the lowest of the low and that there would never be a future for me and that like I had lived out my best days, like (laughs) I want to laugh at it now because it sounds so Oh my gosh. But at the time, like, I remember that moment. I remember being in that moment. I remember feeling like so real, so goddamn real. Like there is nothing left for me in that moment because of our previous blogger history that we've discussed before. A friend of mine, another elder millennial, former blogger reached out to me on Instagram and told me to get this book and read it. And at that point, like I would have like done whatever anyone said to take off just the edge of depression that was seeping into my life. But she told me to get this book called How to Walk Away by Catherine Center. It's a New York Times bestseller. And it's such an amazing book. And I would recommend it to people that are working on that reframe. All right. Because the way that the book ends, I'm not going to like ruin anything besides telling you how the book ends. But (laughs) wait a second. (laughs) Wait. No, I'm not going to ruin the story, though. You have permission. (laughs) Okay. 
So they end the book by saying the main character who, like you and I, had this life planned for herself. It was her story. It was a story she had told herself. It was a story that was supposed to happen. And then for whatever reason, like it didn't happen. But so she ends the book by saying more than anything, I know that you just have to choose to make the best of things. You get one life and it only goes forward. And there really are all kinds of happy endings. Honestly, I have that quote on my living room wall. And I have since I bought my first home post-divorce. And when I'm in that moment where I'm so, because they still happen, right? I'm on the other side of this and they still happen. I can recognize how silly it is to think that there's no future for me. And still like have moments where I I cycle back to that. And in those moments where that happens, look at that quote. And for me, it's a huge reminder to reframe. What does a happy life look like? I thought at one point, a happy life would only be achieved through being a great professional, a great friend, a great wife, a great mother, a great example. And here's the thing. I can still be a lot of those things, right? I can still be a lot of those things. I'm just not going to have that one part there. And that doesn't change the strength of all my other areas. Yeah. Right. Just because I don't have that one. Absolutely. So for me, the like reminding myself that there really are all kinds of happy endings has been pivotal, transformational. That's beautiful. And because our brains are different, Kate and I, (laughs) they are very different brains we have. I was thinking as you were talking about, you know, there are different happy endings. I'm much a person of that's like, I don't even care about the happy ending. I'd like right now to be happy. (laughs) But I think that holding on to a marriage for far too long where it's unhealthy is not actually going to reach happy now or a happy ending. And exactly. And people are always trying to tell you when you're going through separation or about to people try to tell you their story of how they separated and or whatever went through the valleys of the shadows and the doubts and (laughs) they came back around. Hallelujah. But that's cool for their story. And maybe that's not yours. And that's okay. Exactly. One of the reframes I definitely wanted to mention too is this idea that, and I actually held on to this one. I viewed this as a, st- or like I held this notion that families, you know, are broken right. when before I was divorced, but pretty early on in our separation and divorce, I very quickly reframed this one. And I don't know how I did, but I think it's because I needed to survive. And so like the worst thing that I could do as a mother is destroy my children's lives. But I really believed I didn't break my family. I didn't ruin my family. I very much still to this day believe that I instigated a shift in the structure of what our family looks like. And it is for the overall well-being for all of us, including my kids. And yes. that's a reframe that I will stand by. I will die on that hill. Yes. <laughs> that is a hill I will die on. <laughs> I, I don't disagree with that. I Same thing. Like I'm a child of divorce and same. I very much in the same time period where I was wallowing in despair for my own future, I was also contemplating what this had done to my daughter. What actions of adults who she could not control, could not influence, what was that going to have on not only her life, but just like 
her personality, her Mm. memories. I remember feeling such grief when I realized that my daughter, based on when we separated, would probably never remember us all being in the same house together happy. Like, I remember that. I know that my ex remembers that. I know that my daughter, like as she gets older, may remember that like through being told about it. But I know that like because of her age, her actual memory of being in a home with me and her father under one roof, existing in that space as a happy family, that happened. That wasn't a dream. That happened. And I remember like having such sorrow and grief that like she wouldn't remember it. And the way that I reframed that because that's real. That's a real sorrow and grief. The way that I reframe that is she might not remember that, but I can impact what she remembers from here on out. Mm. And I can, like, I know as she ages, like I can impact that on a day-to-day basis. I can be the mom who still showed up. I can be the mom who still managed to laugh even when it was hard. I know that when she is 35 and she is like looking back on her life, I know that she's going to look at it through very different eyes all around. And I know that I am on a day-to-day basis. That is a continual reframe that I am doing for her. And yeah, it just, it's a process. It's a day-to-day process of reframing that. And, you know, I like to say, Divorce obviously tears people apart, tears families apart. But when it comes from that split home, broken family lifestyle, in a way, if you look at it, divorce gives your child an opportunity to be loved by even more people. Like, honestly, there's so much more. Like, my daughter is loved by people that I have never met. And that's crushing, but also beautiful. Like, that's beautiful because there is never anything bad about being loved more and more people. Oh, I cannot agree with that more. You know, adoption, adopting my son taught me that, that right. I don't have to be afraid of his original family. And that's not what we're talking about, but that's where I learned that. And now it's like, I have now even more now than ever currently in my day to day, I have to, yeah, believe that there's no harm when more and more people are loving our kids. One of the other things too, that keeps coming to my mind and I, it's coming to my mind because I previously thought this <laughs> is this stigma that if you've been divorced, don't date divorced women because they don't know how to commit. And so actually in this statistic, so I have a lot of thoughts about this, but the statistic is like, if you've been divorced once you have a higher chance of getting divorced again. And the, I think, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, but I think that's because we know we survived the first one. And if we find ourselves in another shitty marriage, I'm sorry, I'm not staying in this. I know that I'm stronger outside of a shitty ongoing marriage that's not healthy, that has become toxic. And I am not going to sit here for an unending amount of time and wait for you to pull your stuff together and be an equal human in this partnership. And so part of me thinks that's probably why that statistic exists. And also, I don't know. My journey has brought me to this point where I may come off as though I'm afraid of commitment, but that's not actually the truth. The truth is that I know what I deserve. I know what I can offer and I will not settle for less. And if you're showing me that you're going to settle for less, yeah, I'm not committing to you. Why would I commit to you? I've already been there, done that. The whole like dating a single parent or dating someone after divorce, 
I have friends who are married to divorcees and they are not like that's a whole thing and I do think we should get into it because there are stigmas attached to that inherently as well that I could go on for hours about honestly I think we can all agree divorces do not have it easy when it comes to the societal stigmas I know for me, I will feel like one day I'm standing on solid ground, reframing all the lies, the shame, and then someone close to me in the flesh will say something that just knocks me flat, triggering those deep stigmas. Yeah, every day. And I feel like that is one of the reasons that it is so important to have other people when you're going through this process who understand because we need those outside parties to remind us of that truth and to remind us to give us the prompt to reframe because it's so easy to get stuck in the stigma and forget the power of reframing it yes one of the reasons i'm so grateful for you kate Mm, and i'm so grateful for you natalie (laughs) for that little mm. (laughs) for those of you guys listening we want to encourage you to take a moment after this ends and think through the lies and stigmas that are trying to attach to you and reframe them yeah i mean it takes some time it takes some introspection you're not going to have the answers overnight yeah but it's a day by day sometimes hour by hour minute by minute process And you can reframe your story and you can have a happy now and a happy ending. Like it's going to be okay. So yeah, just hang in there. And I think as a heads up, our next episode is going to be about talking to your kids about divorce, telling them that initial break. So definitely stay tuned and come back to that episode. Yes. Thank you, everyone. That's a wrap on this episode, but as you know, this journey is never over. Leaning on and learning from each other has been life-changing for us, and we hope you felt some of that connection and support in today's episode. At the very least, we hope you laughed a bit. Laughing is good for the soul. So is subscribing to our podcast, which you can do wherever you listen to your podcasts. You know, following us on Instagram and Facebook might also be good for the soul. It's worth a try. You should do it. You can find any resources referenced in this episode, along with our social media handles and our website in our show notes. So stop by and say hi. This journey is better with friends. Speaking of friends, telling your friends about No Longer We is likely really great for your soul too. So perhaps you should try that. Oh yeah. Friends, family, maybe even your ex. (laughs) Let's not get carried away. (laughs) 